I am a god, you dull creature! We are not doing Get Help. I have been falling for 30 minutes! I assure you, brother, the sun will shine on us again. I'm just a huge fan of the sport. Can't see into the future, another wish. No? Why'd you dress like one? I am Loki of Asgard. Puny god. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. I am the host, Peaches. I know I already made that questioning tone joke once, but I'm going to do it again. Um, thanks for listening again. Another week. It's been uh, it's a fun, I'd say fun scheduling opportunity is what we call problems now uh, to get us <laughs> together this week. <laughs> but we're here. We're here and we're really excited to talk about Loki episode two. And as always, we have assembled an awesome crew of uh, alliterative. I, I didn't come up with an alliteration, you guys. Uh, oh, but no. hey, both Lords are here and Robbie's here. Say hi, y'all. Hi, y'all. Hi. I didn't you know, know I still went to the show. I, <laughs> yeah, I welcome know. back. It's been a while. I, I just realized I didn't say the whole where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. So I did mess something up. There it is. The timeline is destroyed. Yeah, we got to go oh, back. God. I'm a variant now. Someone's going <laughs> to come in and replace. It doesn't we matter. We're approaching that red line. I could leave it here. I could paste this at the beginning. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> this means you're a Nexus being. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. I, I, You know, I'll put that on my uh, my dating apps. I am a Nexus being. Okay. Should we point out that uh, the reason it's just us is because Eduardo was out there celebrating his 21st birthday today? <laughs> I think I yes. think he I think 21. he declared that he is 29 volume 2. Um, there we go. Okay. So yeah, he's infinitely 29 now. Um so Happy 29th you, second birthday, Eduardo. If you would be so inclined, you should wish Eduardo a happy birthday. Uh, via many of our social media platforms. Speaking of many social media platforms, hey, we've got a Patreon. So uh, if you if you'd like to take that support of listening to the show to another level, you can visit our Patreon at Patreon.com/assemblyrequired. We've got a couple levels of patronage, and and all of them give you access to a Discord channel where we have monthly community events. We talk to y'all all the time. We've got a new patron to shout out this episode, Pepe. Thanks for joining, Pepe. We appreciate you. And um, another reminder, speaking of Discord slash Patreon stuff, our community events, our second community event this month is coming up June 28th. 28th. There it is. In the evening. We're going to play board games. So if you're part of the Discord, make sure you get ahead of the game. Uh, Makeaboardgamearena.com log in you know we can get to gaming that much quicker and uh you know it's gonna be a good time it's gonna be great now i want to know and i think all the listeners want to know robbie and angela you know we haven't heard you on a loki episode yet i know it's only the second one but we need to know your thoughts on loki episode one and robbie the people are thirsting after your (laughs) your knowledge and opinion on amazing spider-man 2 so whoever wants to kick it off go for it Angela, you go first. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I I uh, I really enjoy Loki so far. Um, the first episode was was great. It was really 
compelling. Um, I, I feel bad because I know y'all have already kind of dunked on, um, <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, quite a bit in the past. And I didn't think it was a bad show, but it just was not at the level of WandaVision. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't intriguing enough to hold my interest, you know, for me to start theorizing and, and wondering what's going on and what could this lead to. And, you know, it didn't, I don't know. There were things I certainly did enjoy about it. And there were a lot of um, really important themes that they touched on, but um, I guess this show is just a little more my speed. It, it feels like it's kind of getting back into the weird that we loved so much in WandaVision. Um, it's just a different kind of weird. And, um, you know, I loved that the first episode picked up right where we left off with Loki, you know, stealing the Tesseract uh, during the time heist. And um, I had no clue what to expect, but it was all great. I don't really have any specific thoughts to share on episode one because I did not prepare that, but it was a good time and I'm happy we have this show. <laughs> Sorry, I just uh, I just sprung that on you. It's all We're full of surprises. If it makes you feel any better, Angela, I was prepared and also don't have any prepared notes. So, or I knew it was coming. I'm not prepared. Uh, you are not prepared. Well, and part of how, why I have nothing to say other than I liked it, is as I was listening to the episode, y'all said everything I was thinking already. So um, I was nodding along the whole time. Uh, it feels like it would have been really weird. It would have been a very, very super agreeable episode. So um, Yeah, we don't loved, have those that often. Yeah, definitely would have with this one. I don't remember y'all's ratings. I think I probably would have given the first one 8.5 or 9. Um, Same. Yeah, really, really liked it. Uh, I think maybe it was all of you, but one of you made the point of Falcon and the Winter. I think it was Eduardo. Falcon and the Winter Soldier started feeling like a chore to watch. Not that it was terrible, but it just wasn't, was not looking forward to watching it. Also, as we already talked about plenty, it ended up being a show that you should have sat down and watched it all together. Whereas WandaVision was sort of the return of weeknight television of I'm excited for this. And it held this was a, you know, a compartmentalized episode and I'm excited for the next episode. And that's what Loki is doing. I am satisfied with each evening viewing and also looking forward to the next evening's viewing or mm -hmm. the next week's viewing. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't even think about that, but this episode does feel, the first two episodes both feel like episodes. Yes. And not, yes. Well, we got to stop here because our hour is up. Yes, mm -hmm. that's exactly how I felt and I have enjoyed it as a result. Um, and also just all the details are right. You know, Owen Wilson and um, Tom Hiddleston play well off of each other. The music is incredible. The, oh man, what I did not get to say is this show is directly my aesthetic, like that that TWA look. And in, in fact, I did not realize this watching the first episode. Uh, I realized it the second episode. There's a shot that's very clear. I've stayed in the hotel this was shot in, the Marriott Marquis in Atlanta. Um, and my brother and I were kids when we were there. And I just remember running around that hotel because it was just a wild design. Uh, and now this episode watching that hotel was a trip. Um, no, so I, I, this show is, is 
I, I think so far, I feel like masterful. Y'all talked a lot about the philosophical stuff. Um, I'm not as philosophical. I'm probably the least philosophical member of this podcast, uh, but I am, I am enjoying it. Uh, yeah. As far as Amazing Spider-Man 2, I have sad news because I know that there are people that have been really, it's not just the people on this podcast. There are people asking for my reaction to Amazing Spider-Man 2. I will watch it. A little bit of how the sausage is made. We were up against a vacation crunch trying to get this Amazing Spider-Man 2 episode done. And I, since I am not a cool cord cutter yet, still have DirecTV. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 was free to DirecTV subscribers. So I downloaded it and watched about half of it and then had to go to bed. And I was going to finish the rest of the movie later. And this has never happened to me. When I went to watch the rest of it later, the actual recording had been pulled off of my DVR, and Amazing Spider-Man 2 was no longer available anywhere for free or for pay. So I did not get to finish watching Amazing Spider-Man 2. I have two responses um, to this. One of them is likely story. The second, <laughs> the second one is that uh, I guess that was also maybe a, a Nexus breaching event, and somebody yeah, right. came in and deleted your... Right recording he's not so, supposed to watch this yeah. <laughs> well i think they were really about to be upset by my reaction um i i tried a few different ways to try and get get it but it was right up against my vacation and just wasn't able to get it in and then i came back and had a busy week i have not really even looked at it that said what i want to say uh i was watching it before y'all had started your rewatch and definitely before you did the show and through about the first half of the movie that I saw, there were definitely things I didn't like, but I found myself thinking, this, this can't possibly be as bad as people say. So far, this is really good. Early on is some of the best Spider-Man sequences I think I've ever seen on screen. So having not watched it all the way through, not necessarily knowing everything that comes, although I, I definitely know how the movie ends. I know what the Green Goblin looks like. But having, having not watched the whole movie, <laughs> I feel... Like, once I get around to it, I'm going to side with y'all where my reaction is going to be certainly not my favorite superhero movie, but maybe better than its perception. And probably, I think, I'm certainly going to like it more than the first one. And that's weird. I didn't expect any of that. So I'm almost excited to eventually go back and see it. I'm kind of sad I wasn't able to do it in time for the episode. That was my takeaway, too. I was surprised that I it wasn't as bad as I remembered. And I didn't mm -hmm. fall asleep this time that I watched it. Yeah, I, th I think I talked about it, how she fell asleep in the theater when we went to see it. <laughs> you know, <But. laughs> you're up against the odds at the theater sometimes because mm -hmm. if you're not really into a movie, you're in a cozy seat in a... In the dark. A, in the dark, in yeah. a room that is very... The temperature is usually just right. I mean, what can you do? You know, I, ironically, the only time I've ever fallen asleep in a movie theater was watching Return of the Jedi, which is also my favorite movie. <laughs> but I was huh. really tired. You know, sometimes the familiarity can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robbie, um, I don't know about all of the listeners, but I will at least be holding you to watching that movie because okay. I want to. I want you to be a part of the uh, wow. This movie was actually pretty damn good. Squad. That's a okay. long hashtag. Okay, I've got one more wrench to throw in our plan before we kick this thing off. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Chris, did you read any more Loki comics? It might be a very short wrench. It's a short wrench. I, I did not. Boom. Wrench is over. I can dodge <laughs> it anyway, just as well as I can dodge a ball. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. So no comics. Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to discuss Loki episode two, which was titled The Variant, written by Alyssa, Eliza, Karasik. 
I don't, I don't know how you say it. Elissa or something yeah. like that? Yeah. I, I assume Elissa, if there's two S's. Yeah. And directed by Kate Heron. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. So the episode opens in 1985 at a Renaissance fair in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I didn't know Oshkosh was a, a real place. I'm going to interject uh, right here with a fun fact for you. Oh, so yeah. the uh, character Mobius M. Mobius from the comics. Um, yeah, that's Mobius his full name. M. Mobius? Yeah, the M stands for Mobius. Um <laughs> But yes, no, he, that's <laughs> deep. That's a deep cut there. Okay. He's not kidding. <laughs> but yes, uh, so Agent Mobius in the comics. Uh, in the comics, the TVA is staffed, I believe, entirely by clones of Mobius. Yes. And the physical appearance of Mobius uh, is based on Mark Greenwald. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. G-R-E-U-N-W-A-L-D. Uh, I will send you all pictures. I'll throw them in the Discord. Uh, but he looks just like this guy. He's He was a writer and artist and editor for Marvel and for many comics. Um, but he was famous for being just a deep well of Marvel knowledge. Like, he was a walking Marvel encyclopedia. So they figured uh, when they introduced the TVA in a Thor comic in the 80s, I think, they, um, they were like, well, if someone has to know the entire timeline, it's got to look like like Mark Greenwald, uh, and and like he does look just like him in the comics, and he has the same mustache that he has on the show too, which is great. But anyway, Mark Greenwald is from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, so that is the show's tip of the hat to him, uh, setting the scene in Oshkosh. That's pretty I cool. Did, I did not Gosh. know the TVA, <laughs> and that's why I thought it wasn't real. <laughs> Oshkosh, for gosh, they wash. Uh, I didn't well. know the TVA was an 80s invention because it absolutely feels like a more recent comic book thing. It was like, it was 80s or 70s. It was when, um, I believe it was when Walt Simonson was doing Thor. Interesting. You can't tell based on the decor that it was a 70s slash 80s invention? So I can see, oh, that, that decor is 60s, man. I, oh, yeah, I can, sorry, my bad. Yeah, it, that decor is the 1964 World's Fair. I made Eduardo say that last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and and oh, I I didn't get a chance to say this because it was on the episode. He said the 1964 World's Fair, and then he he said, uh, "Men in Black," and and it looked like Men in Black. And uh-huh. and had I been there, I would have interjected, "Well, yes, because uh, a lot of Men in Black is based on the 1964 World's Fair." It's it's man, not a yeah, that's that's where the climax of the movie happens. Yes, the climax of the movie happens in the 64 World's Fairgrounds. I remember it's just so circular, man. I remember going to a Mets game once, and they're like, "Hey, it's the thing from Men in Black." Oh, I thought you were going to say, and uh, the center fielder got hit in the head by a fly ball because the the flying saucer took off into space. I thought no. you were going to say you were approached by a guy in overalls who said, "Sugar, put it in water." All that's of the, those things. No, that's the kingpin. That's wild. the kingpin. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're in Oshkosh. Gosh, and a group of TBA agents arrive to search for a variant in a large tent. The lead agent, C20, is suddenly possessed and begins taking out her teammates while holding out for a hero plays. Man, that was fun. When she falls unconscious, the remaining agents are taken out by the hooded figure from the end of episode one. The variant takes 
the reset charges and C20's time control device and then disappears through a time door with C20 as a hostage. Back to the TVA, Loki reads one of Mobius's jet ski magazines while holographic Miss Minutes tries to quiz him on how the sacred timeline works. She's fun. I'm glad she wasn't just in the little infomercial. Uh, we learn that when a variant branch crosses the red line, ooh, the Nexus event cannot be reset, leading to, in quotes, the collapse of reality as we know it. Mobius arrives, tells Loki they need to go investigate an attack, and then gives him a, a very snazzy jacket, um, which <laughs> has the word variant on the back. Y'all, I want us to have that jacket. I want all of us to have like crew variant jackets so we can wear while we're recording. We're out in public. I'm willing to bet at least half of us will have access to that jacket at discount discount in some point in the near future. You think so? Yes. If that's the case, it's not going to fit me very well. And that's going to make me sad. Also quite possibly true. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if y'all have been paying attention, but the, uh, the Marvel, Avengers Campus, I guess that's not called Marvel Avenger, they can't call it that, but the Avengers Campus just opened a Disney California Adventure out of Disneyland, and Loki, who has been a meet-and-greet character at Disneyland for years now, has updated his costume every week to match the episode. So, like, last okay, last week okay. he was surrounded by TVA agents and he was a prisoner, and now this week he's got the jacket and everything. That is uh, so cool. That is why does California do everything better? <laughs> <laughs> that there's a, there's an asterisk on there. Okay, don't we don't have to get into why I was. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, a boy, general. I was general fighting statement. that soapbox so hard. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. This Twitter is coming for you. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry, Dis Twitter, but Bengal Barbecue is king. So the agent who arrested Loki in the first episode, B15, and Mobius lead a briefing for the Minutemen, including Loki. Mobius reminds them that they're looking for a Loki, and it turns out that they've pruned more variant Lokis than nearly any other variant in history. He displays several looks for the past Lokis they've pruned, and even Tom Hiddleston Loki is taken aback when he sees some of them. Chris, you've got some questions about some of these that you want to address, and yeah, they are. uh, some of them are fun and funky looking. Uh, Yeah, I I guess my question can be summed up Mommy, Daddy, where do variants come from? Because, <laughs> like, some of those variant Lokis were very different. I mean, they had, like, the giant monster Loki. You had a Loki that didn't look anything like Tom Hiddleston at all. You had one who was apparently a cyclist. <laughs> um, and I understand our Loki, how he's a variant. He is an accident that happened while other people were time traveling and his path changed. But all these other variant Lokis, how many time travelers are messing around in Loki's life that he's able to like branch off? And and they talk about how people, if you make the wrong choice, you do the thing the timekeepers don't want you to do. Now you're a variant. You show up late to work. That's one of the examples they give. Uh, in which case, I'm probably a variant like 10 times over. Um I was actually home life is rough. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. No, I I was more on time when I had to drive 35 minutes to get to work than uh, when I have to walk to the next room. Same. um, But I I guess it ties into probably peaches what you're going to be talking about later with the timekeepers. 
but just you know they introduce the idea of a variant with loki which again is a really easy one to understand but the more that we see how many variants there are out there they can't all be the result of time travel accidents so how easy is it to become a variant it's just because you didn't do what some space lizard wanted you to do i mean that kind of goes right into your your theory from last week that the tva is up to no good yeah i mean i I just wanted to raise that question i guess (laughs) i think if you were to think about like so say that all of those are different versions of loki like as fact right for the purpose of this argument those are definitely all different universe versions of loki or whatever it might be uh i i would wager that because he is the god of mischief or they are the god of mischief whichever form they're taking at the time they're probably more likely to be somebody that could show up as a variant but that is just as devil's advocate e as i can be for what you just said because it is weird that all those different loki's have been targets for them like it's weird for two reasons. One, everything you just said, but two, also because um, if they've pruned that many Lokis, why do they need Loki's help to catch a Loki? Shouldn't they have a lot of information on how Loki works? Yeah. I, I, I think this one is different, which I know we're getting into later, but mm-hmm. yeah, that makes I, sense. I think uh, she is not like the others <laughs> yeah i mean i think the other variant lokis were just doing things like entering the tour de france when they weren't supposed to <laughs> right <laughs> which all things considered that's mischievous that's not bad this loki is aware of this variant is aware of the tva and is using the tva for nefarious ends so i think that's why they're having so much trouble because this is the first time probably that a Loki is targeting them as opposed to just a problem they have to go take care of. Yeah. And the first time that their methods aren't working the way they usually do. Uh, I do think it's, you you bring up, it's interesting that it's Loki all the time. Statistically, I do feel like it makes sense for it to be Loki all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. The long lasting, super powered, uh, lying, mischievous dude. Like it kind of makes sense that he's going to end up on their radar a lot. Uh, that said, this moment was great. I really, really liked this, uh, just how under t- understated this moment of, yeah, so this guy, we've killed a bunch. We're, we're going to, you know, have to try and kill him again using him. It's just, it was just so, the first episode ends with, there's another Loki. And then this episode just very, uh, you know, almost as though you're talking about the sky being blue. Yeah, there's tons of Lokis. We kill them all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And literally, I mean, I know we're used to the terminology, but they're literally using the term prune. Like, Loki to them is just, you know, I go and prune my peach tree every spring. Like, that's, hey, hey it's know. Loki season. Gotta go get some. Please don't touch my tree. <laughs> Nobody prune peaches. This is a formal request. No touching <laughs> the tree. Um, no, so I liked it a lot. Also, it brings up this weird, and I get that's what we're supposed to think about with the TVA, but it brings up that, you know, the probably the second most important MCU villain. Apparently there's an organization that just kills him all the time. It's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's interesting. They really don't low-key him. No, that didn't work. That just, also, sound, sound guy erased that. Okay, thanks. Uh, Samuel, you're the most likely one to be able to answer this. The, the weird, bulky, horned Loki 
felt familiar to me, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. I thought and I don't know if I was thing. just thinking. I don't know if I was just thinking of Doom monsters or like. See, like Hulky. Yeah. yeah. I definitely feel it like feels like something I've seen before. Uh, yeah, I, I had a moment of recognition when I saw that version of Loki. And I don't know if, like you said, it was supposed to be, oh, this is Loki if he became the Hulk. Or if it was, you know, it made me think of like... Well, I can tell you Screen Rant says authoritatively that is Loki as the Hulk. So that's probably the correct answer. Authoritative. <laughs> Screen Rant says a lot of things authoritatively. That Loki, it's the Loki in the Barbarian armor, which came from the Zonai. <laughs> okay so i'll out myself as a wow nerd real quick that loki to me looks like illidan Stormrage. none of you are going to nod along but he's a character in the wow games who is like a night elf demon hunter and he's like you know he's bulky and has horns just like loki does but they're actually attached to his head and he has like these two glaive style swords that he holds in either hand they're pretty cool but that's what that reminded me of so wow. I was like, I think this is familiar. <laughs> wow. I think you this know, is familiar, but maybe not for the right reason. <laughs> you know what it made me think of is the uh, the Arkham games, the Batman Arkham games, where uh, when you have the guys that are all jacked up on Titan. Jacked up on Mountain Dew. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, that's just kind of, I don't know if it's just because like that game ends with Joker turning into like a big hulking brute and it's like oh you have the clever trickster kind of funny villain turned into a muscle guy i don't know if that's where my brain went spoilers spoilers i'm sorry if you haven't played the game that came out in uh <laughs> yeah 2007 or whatever hey, it was robbie still gets very defensive whenever anyone gets close to ruining the story of kotor so that's a better twist than the arkham yes asylum game yes all right, so we're going to get right back to you in a second, Robbie. But plot-wise, Mobius starts listing some of Loki's powers, and then Loki decides to point out the difference between illusion projection and duplication casting in an attempt to show the TVA how little they actually know about Loki and how much they need him for the mission. Robbie, you'd like to discuss this being a callback to things on this podcast. I don't know what this means. Yeah, I don't have much. To, I don't have much to say on it. It's just I remember last episode, um, Soundlord was talking about how uh, Tom Hiddleston gave dissertations on Loki's nature to the crew of the show, and as I was watching this, I felt myself thinking, "Yeah, he's channeling that like mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. character on film right now." It just Loki felt like lecture. felt like Tom Hiddleston really enjoying his talking about, you know being loki and what loki does in that scene i I just i don't have much to say about it i just a enjoyed that that hold on they're different powers how dare you Mm -hmm. and then then also just uh it just really brought me back to what soundlord was saying about tom hiddleston teaching about his own character um and i was i was also prepared to talk about how much i liked the loki has been pruned over and over again uh part but uh we already talked about that so yeah, I just liked it. I um, first my my mind went to D and D nerds, Dungeons and Dragons, like people like really getting into the weeds on what the different schools of magic yes. are. Which I mean, I've been playing D and D for over a year now. I couldn't tell you. 
I, I watched a couple videos about the different schools of magic and it, it was, I enjoyed the game a lot, but it was in one ear and out the other for me. It's funny. Look, all I know that. is my character sings a song and then magic happens at the end. <laughs> it's easy. It's funny you say that because I almost put in the notes that I do not D&D, but my wife D&Ds a lot and listening to Loki explain these two different powers <laughs> in, in detail just made me feel like when my wife is explaining D&D stuff. It, yeah, it's, it's the difference between a full polymorph and a, uh, and a, a minor illusion. Right. No, no. One of them is just an appearance. One of them is actually the molecules recreated in the same yeah. Time. yeah. In the same time, but a different space. It's... We're really, uh, we're really outing ourselves as as extra nerds today. <laughs> Angela's in the clear so far. Yeah, I don't think anything's news to anybody. To be fair, um... honestly, if anything, I think people would be surprised that we don't all D and D. Well, okay, Soundlord does, but yeah. Uh, I, I would be willing to bet that if we had people put money on whether or not uh, Peach and Robbie D and D, people probably would have lost money. Haha! Take that, suckers! Uh-huh. Yeah, we're not really nerds. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing a football hat. <laughs> faker. It's true. That was a Sonic Adventure two quote. Okay, before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh we're, back, we're back to being nerds. <laughs> Lady Loki is like the shadow of the. <laughs> Uh, chaos control. Whew. Oh, it worked. Before heading to 1985 by Bowling for Soup, Loki clarifies with Mobius that outside the TVA, he'll be able to use his powers again. Mobius assures Loki he won't try and escape because helping out is the only way that he'll be able to get an audience with the air quotes timekeepers. Oh, no, I'm my point is bleeding into the plot. I'm so sorry. At the Renaissance Fair. Loki explains that the reset charges are just a nice way of disintegrating everything within a large enough area to remove anyone who is affected by a Nexus event. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to see what those do. I say finally, it's the second episode. Like, okay, that's pretty early, Peach. Calm yeah, down. But you had to wait a whole week. I know. Uh, th- this show is doing that to me, y'all. I don't want to... It needs to be Wednesday followed by Wednesday. Fo- Get your florps together, TVA. A week Come of on. Wednesdays. <laughs> Surveying the crime scene inside the tent, Loki dramatically explains the other Loki has set a trap, but demands assurances that he not be disintegrated after he delivers the lesser Loki. Agent Mobius realizes that Loki is just wasting time and trying to manipulate the TVA agents and actually knows nothing about the other Loki. And Chris, you've got some stuff to talk about as far as the viewers not really understanding what's going on with this Loki, I am so sure I'm going to nod along to everything you're about to say. Well, the, the fun thing about Loki since the beginning and by since the beginning, I think I mean, since however many thousands of years ago, they started telling stories about Loki is that you never know what side he's on. You, you never know if what he's saying is the truth. I should have known better. And yet as he's giving this impassioned speech, like when he when he looked so seriously at Mobius and said, I see a scheme. Uh-huh. And in that scheme, I see myself revealed or whatever he said. I was like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> Same. And then I'm like... Oh, he tricked me. <laughs> <laughs> I believed the God of Lies 
why would I do that? <laughs> you know, and and that was a good reminder that Loki lies. And the rest of the episode, I do not know what angle he's playing, except that I know that he's out for himself. That's the only that's the one thing you can always count on is that Loki wants what is best for himself. And again, we have to kind of remind ourselves this is the Loki that just is fresh off of the Avengers. So he has not had the face quarter turn that the Loki had in the movies where he's like, all right, he's, he's getting pretty close to being a good guy here. Uh, he even has that, he he's talking to Mobius after, after Mobius goes to talk to judge Renslayer and Loki's like, okay, so about what happened in the field. And he's like, that was your first lesson. And he's going on about how it, it reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean when Jack Sparrow is like, a dishonest person, you can always trust to be dishonest. Uh, and just, who's another great trickster character, especially in mm-hmm. that first movie. Um, well, there was only one movie. Hey, the, you know, uh, the, there there was a movie and two albums. <laughs> um, no, but the, uh, his whole thing about, about double crossing and triple crossing, and it's hard to follow, uh, intentionally so, I think, but it's, just a reminder that we are not going to know exactly what he's up to throughout all of this. And it's funny is I went and I read a couple reviews about of, of this episode afterwards, and so many people in their reviews we we made from a screen rant earlier, but people kind of already attributing what what Loki's motivation was for following the variant through the door at the end. I saw one person one review said. And he's gone off to join the variant in her scheme. I'm like, that's not what I took from it. Right. That could be what he's doing. It absolutely could be what he's doing. We don't know. But I know Loki well enough to know that I don't know. Right. (laughs) What Loki is doing. (laughs) Yeah, that was my reaction. It's going to be a lot of fun. What is this? This could be, it could be literally several different motivations. My reaction to that was, Exactly what you said. I don't know. I know Loki well enough to know. I don't know why he went in that door. And I think we've said this on this. I have my suspicions. I think we all do. Right. And I think we've said this on this podcast, but just in case we haven't, I need to say again, nothing makes me angrier than the absolutely confident, uh, what was it? You call it explainer culture. The absolutely confident explanation when you don't actually have the answer. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. We got a lot of that with WandaVision as well. But. I want to agree with you, but later I'm going to be very passionate about <laughs> some surveillance stork material. <laughs> well, okay, but as we've said before, I think you can be passionate about your ideas and your interpretations, but you can't just sit and say, this is what this means. Right. There is a yeah. complete difference between Loki went through that door. My suspicion is to join the other Loki, but we'll see. That's a completely different sentence from, and then Loki went in the door to join the other Loki. Like that's, those are different things. I know. And I agree with you too. I can't, it's, it's such a strange position to be in where we have this podcast every week where we talk about, you know, our theories and, and whatever pops into our head as far as all these episodes go. And then you see all these, clickbaity articles all the time and you're like that guy's an idiot yeah (laughs) that is stupid we always do this episode and then i go look at the internet i'm like oh man are we reasonable (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I think what what makes us reasonable is we know when we don't know something, mm-hmm. and and we're willing to kind of say, yeah, this is just kind of what what we think is happening, and if we're right, cool. If we're wrong, hey, you know, whatever they come up with is probably going to be cool too. Yeah, for I know, the record, I, I, I like fun- being wrong, um, yeah. unless it's a U.S. agent. I like being wrong about because <laughs> that means that I was surprised. Yeah, you know, it's I, I make fun of Zelda YouTube all the time on the show now. Uh, and just, and so granted, weird. I watch these videos still, and, and there are some of them that I think are actually really good and, and and really thoughtful. And the ones I like the best are the ones that are like, well, it could be this. Like we don't really know, or they're like, I came up with this explanation for it. It's probably something that the developers didn't think of. We get to fill in the blanks, and that's what's fun. And I like that. I think you know, I think I think that's the realm that we kind of live in mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast. But then there are the other ones that. Okay, so the the new trailer for the Breath of the Wild sequel came out and revealed that, oh, a lot of it's going to be taking place in these floating islands in the sky, which is hilarious if you go back and watch all the videos that came out after the first trailer. Everyone's like, so this game is definitely going to be about what's underneath Hyrule. Right. It's going to be all about going into these caves. Yeah, I literally saw a video that was, is the, the entire game takes place in caves. No, the entire... The entire trailer you saw took place in a cave. That's not the entire. It's not the entire game. The trailer's yeah. not the whole game, guys. Which is not to say that there will not be caves in this game, but clearly the uh, the twist that they are excited about to show us in the second trailer is: oh, look, you're going up. The it's literal like, whatever the opposite of a cave is, right. it's that. <laughs> The second trailer didn't take place entirely in a cave, but the first trailer was only in caves. Curious. What a plot hole. <laughs> Joke's going to be on you guys when the whole game is about the Zonai caves. Oh, God. Okay, no, here's the thing is that I've been making fun of the Zonai, and now this trailer had so many things in it that actually makes it look like, oh, God, they are doing it. And I'm going to be so mad <laughs> because all these people who've been, like, getting their YouTube money are yeah, going to be guess- like, I told you. <laughs> I don't usually care about people being wrong, but I guess, yeah, I need these people to be wrong. Like, I, I guess I just searched my soul and realized, yes, that's a thing I need. I feel the same about flat earthers, so I get it. <laughs> don't, well, well, good they news, are they wrong, are wrong. So. Yeah, they're all over the globe, so you got to be careful. Um, <laughs> so, <Edgy. laughs> before we get too into Zonai... The group leaves the tent empty-handed, and we do finally get to see the reset charge vaporizing every dead body and living person as its radius expands once they leave. And also, like, some of the equipment that was in the fight, and for some reason, not other specific things. I'm kind of confused on what it decides to disintegrate, but maybe maybe they'll explain it. Maybe they'll leave it up to the imagination. It's like it somehow knows if something is a timeline violation or not. Yeah. I would think it's anything that either showed up or is out of place from the moment that the variants happened, that it started to branch off. Yeah. Well, I know that this is going to sound really stupid, because it is really stupid. But, like, if they picked up some some equipment inside the tent and they fought with it and that got disintegrated, whatever. Like, they made contact, or maybe there's some temporal traces, tempura, some lightly breaded traces... <laughs> That sounds delicious. <laughs> on, the, on the javelin. But, like, don't you think that would wipe out, like, some of the natural environment in the tent, too? Like, wouldn't the grass get wiped away? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, isn't, I know there that's literally, isn't there literally a chaos theory statement, and I'm going to butcher it, about 
bending a blade of grass if you go where you're not supposed to be. I, I feel like a, like on the, yeah. the tip of my mind, I've got some sort of memory of, Wouldn't of some statement. Wouldn't you just statement. set the grass back to how it was before the variant showed up? Is that what it the did? Because I, I do that with the bodies. I think well, the bodies is were not there before the variant showed up. So, okay. but I, I don't think that's a reset style bomb. I think that reset charge does what the prune sticks do. Yeah, it looks like the same um, prune sticks. I prune needed stick. a term. <laughs> yeah. I needed a term. They're prune sticks it, now. It looks like the same visual effect, at least. Yeah. But then I again, agree. we still don't really know. We can well, heavily imply that it disintegrates them, but we don't really know. Frankly, Have you guys seen Halloween Town? This hasn't all been explained. Yes. Maybe when you get hit by a prune stick, you go to that guy's yard that all the lost stuff goes to in Halloween Town. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't remember his name. Oh, I'm too old for Halloween Town. No, you're not. No one's too old for a decom. I literally had not heard of Halloween Town. Go watch Luck of the Irish, Halloween Town, Brink. uh, I literally had not heard of it until you lived with me. My date with the president's daughter. My date with the president's daughter. Oh, yeah. Do you know who sung that? The presidents of the United States of America. Guess where right. I got my name from? Millions the of presidents speeches. of the United States of America. We have to go deeper. <laughs> that's as deep as it goes, baby. <laughs> well, well, that's all I have to say about that. All right. And I Back have a peach TVA. tree. I have a peach tree at my house. And it was when you lived in this house that I first heard of Halloween Town. You're not allowed to talk about my tree anymore. We discussed that earlier. Back at the TVA, Mobius meets <laughs> Judge Renslayer in her office, and she makes clear she is not happy about how the mission in Oshkosh went. I'm sorry. Reading Oshkosh is just going to make me laugh now. <laughs> she expresses concern about his apparent affection for Loki, telling him that he has a soft spot for broken things. Rude. Aww. Mobius asks what would happen if Loki decided to change, and Renslayer replies that it can only happen if the timekeepers decree it should be so. She goes on to say that they're watching this case more closely than she's ever seen them do before, and that they really want the variant stopped. Mobius brings up the fact that he's never even seen them. I need to pause and just say all that stuff again, but with more feeling, because... That's a big ten nope. I okay. Here's surveillance stork one from from your dear peaches today. I don't think the timekeepers are real, or I think maybe at one point they were real, and maybe they are severely reduced in numbers down to zero, maybe down to one, possibly. Here's why. Everything that I just said, but I'll get more in depth. We've already established in this group here. Um, that we think that the TVA is up to some form of shenanigans, right? Like there's something deeper and kind of sinister going on within this organization, but we're not necessarily sure how or why. Like I thought about in this episode, this is much later on, but just more things, more evidence to back this theory up. When they go to that Rock Smart, uh, right? It's called Rock Smart? Rock Smart in Alabama. Rock Smart. 2049 or whatever they're in there and when the group splits and and mobius takes those agents and they find the people that are kind of just barricaded up in the room uh the nice old man walks up to them and asks if they're fema and says they have women and children and that they should be out get taken to safety if they have a helicopter and this 
absolute dick of a TVA agent with a prune stick pushes him. And then Mobius is like, yo, dude, what's your problem? These people are scared. And he's like, they should be scared. They're about to die. Do you have any... Ooh, I... Mm, I almost had to censor myself. Do you have any decency, dude? Like, they just feel so evil. Why would you have that? You have a weapon that disintegrates people in a second. You shouldn't have that sort of attitude. Ooh, parallels to real life. Okay, next. (laughs) Emab. Yeah. (laughs) So next point is that every time Renslayer talks about the timekeepers literally every time she talks about them she talks about and i'm gonna sound maybe dramatic for a second but how busy they are and how oh my god they're working so hard and nobody can see them because they're working on the timeline like they're just so busy and that feels so suspicious to me like i worked at a theme park and i saw the ceo the vp like I saw several people at the very top of the chain walking around the park several times. I've seen those people and Mobius even says that he's never seen them. At one point, Loki asks Mobius how long he's worked at the TVA. And he's, I don't know. He doesn't even know it's been that long, right? Like to Mobius, it's probably been his whole life. And in Mobius's whole life, he has never seen these timekeepers. That is suspicious. So, if my stork here is legitimate and they're not real, I think somebody is probably using their presence in the TVA as a figurehead for whatever decisions that they're actually making behind the scenes. And they are just passing off the blame of whatever they want to do with the timeline to the timekeepers. If the first thing I said is correct, where they're not real at all, um, I, I, guess it could be Renslayer, although she kind of seems like she's not a fully willing participant. She kind of feels like maybe she's been fed all these same lies too. Um, it might just be the variant we meet at the end of the episode or it, or option B, if, if they are all dead or one of them is still alive, maybe this Kang theory is true. Maybe Kang is one of the timekeepers. He's murdered the other two or outlasted the other two and he's pulling the strings. I don't know. Do you guys think I'm crazy? <laughs> no. I was I agree with your stork. Um I I was thinking a lot of the same stuff that these timekeepers seem like the wizard of oz, like no one's ever seen them. You know, there's this their faces are and statues of them are all over the place, but no one's ever actually seen them in person. And I actually, my theory was that Red Slayer, maybe she is the timekeeper. Maybe she's the one pulling all the strings, you know, pushing the buttons, buttons, twisting the knobs, you know, behind the curtain. Um, because it seems like just BS, everything she says about, you know, oh, they're so busy. They're watching this very carefully. Um, so I had a theory that maybe it was, maybe it was her. Um, and that the timekeepers aren't real. Lady Sound just sat here and literally took every word out of my mouth. Take that, Robbie. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, soon as, you get wiz- <laughs> as soon as you started saying Wizard of Oz, like, oh, come on. <laughs> uh, but honestly, though, Peach, yeah, I was literally, when I saw your notes, I was going through them. My thought process was, this is not surveillance stork because I'm 
it, at the very least, it's reasonable. Also, I'm pretty sure you're right. I want to say too, pretty sure. like, and I, I said in a, in a previous episode that like, and in many previous episodes, cause I'll say two things that a, I don't really watch trailers that often. We all know that at this point, B, I don't really go that much into the conspiracies of what the internet happens to think about the current show we're watching. What will usually happen is I will see a screen rant or some other website that is full of writing like we made fun of mm-hmm. earlier. And it will say something ridiculous and I will read just the clickbait title and I will, if I think it's funny, send it to you guys. But I'll never actually read them because I don't really want to take those those ideas and in, like incept them into my brain. So if I say stuff that the internet already wildly thinks, I am like 98% out of the loop on that one. I just want to put that out there. And and I feel like this this thing with the timekeepers, it feels a little bit like the whole Ralph Boner thing too, <laughs> where they keep getting mentioned, just like Ralph keeps getting mentioned by Agnes throughout WandaVision. When it turns out he... In, the version of him that is like her husband, he is not real. He's not a real person. And it's really, it turns out to be this kind of lame (laughs) thing at the end. My husband, the (laughs) timekeeper. By the way, perfect, uh, perfect uh, post-credit scene in the last podcast episode, Chris. Oh, (laughs) thank you. TikTok laugh. What was that a reference? What was that? I forgot to ask. What is that a reference? Or what is that from? That's from Comedy Bang Bang. Okay. So funny. Uh, Neil Campbell, who's a really funny comedian, plays a character on, a recurring character on that podcast called The Timekeeper, who is a 31-year-old man who works in his brother-in-law's watch repair shop. (laughs) But he he celebrates and observes the passage of time. I really hope he's the timekeeper. And and his catchphrase is, TikTok! (laughs) (laughs) He's going to show up in, like, episode five of Loki and just have, like, a... A trench coat full of broken watches. His midnight blue coat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's my favorite comedy bang bang character. He's fun. He's so yeah. fun. And and actually, I, I was I was I was like I have to go to the timekeeper. But my other thought was there's a very it's a series of episodes with uh, Paul F. Tompkins as Andrew Lloyd Webber and Bobby Moynihan as Forval the stabby orphan, <laughs> uh, where you find out that Andrew Lloyd Webber is a time Bobby. I don't know. I don't know that I've heard that one, but I know both of those characters. Yeah, no, there are like four episodes. All, all time Bobby, Time Bobby Two, Time Bobby Three. But yeah, since he's English, it's not a time cop; it's a time Bobby. Uh, <laughs> mind is exploding. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> I'll get off the stork box now. Frustrated with Loki's antics, Mobius gives him one last chance. Uh, in the form of putting him at a desk and making him do a lot of research. That's really fun. We've all been there, right? Mobius places uh, in front of Loki the entire case file on the other Loki, telling him to research it until he finds something. Loki gets bored, and uh, in a childish, childish uh, but kind of fun uh act with the secretary at the front desk tries to get into the classified files on the TVA. He tries to get the beginning of time, the end of time, everything's classified. Uh, He's unable to do all that, but he does get a file that explains, which 
a reminder he has not yet experienced the total destruction of Asgard because of Ragnarok. I think this is a great time to pause and pass it to Angela to talk about the music because um, Natalie Holt just hits every time she does anything. Yes. Yeah, it's so good. Um, The music here was definitely reminiscent of the violin that plays when in Ragnarok, when um, Odin is talking to his two sons about their mother and, you know, he says that he loves them and then he floats away into tiny pieces. And uh... (laughs) why am I laughing and sad? (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it's a very violin often does, you know, pull on your heartstrings you know see schindler's list and memoirs of a geisha things like that yeah lol um but it it works here and it feel it sounds very reminiscent of the ragnarok score um and i was just you know every time that tva theme plays in the beginning of an episode and i just listened to it again on spotify before we recorded today um I love the ticking in the background and kind of keeping time throughout the whole song. It's constantly there. It doesn't let up. Uh, and the theme is just so robust and, and, and kind of intimidating, um, which it makes sense because the TVA is very intimidating once you realize what they're about and what they can do. And I think we are, you know, we could be wrong, but I think we're kind of on the right path here of thinking that maybe the TVA are up to no good, that they are the real villains of all of this. Um, I actually, this scene was the back to him, you know, reading about the destruction of his planet. Um, you know, this was actually my first or one of my first real emotional like indicators where I felt like, oh, these people are evil because he's reading over and over again, destruction of Asgard and, you know, how many people died, but there's no variant detected. No, um, what does it say on the form? Do you remember? Uh, zero it, variance energy, I believe. Zero yeah. variance energy detected. And he keeps rereading that. And I know that the reason he's rereading it why we're seeing it is that leads into his theory that he go runs to tell Mobius. But to me, what I got from it was him reading over and over, my planet was destroyed, all these people died, but they didn't find a problem with that. They didn't see that that was a problem for the timeline. So they just let it happen. And to me that read as, wow, these people are evil. (laughs) I really want to put a pin in that thing you just said for something we'll talk about later. Yeah. Ooh, thank you, Angela. <laughs> I think I might tell you to her next point. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, with the music, you know, just she really knows how to really get right into your, <laughs> mm-hmm. cut your right to the core, um, whether it's, you know, the kind of sad, romantic, um, heartstringy music um, while he's reading about Asgard or the TVA theme. Um, kind of giving you a look into what they are all about. And also there's bits of the TVA theme that sound kind of alien and and sound kind of, and it's funny because I keep comparing her music to Ragnarok 
um, which was Mark Mothersbaugh that wrote that. Um, but the alien kind of sounds in the TVA theme remind me of the Ragnarok score, like when you're on Sakaar, like that, that music. Um, and I think that's appropriate because I think the TVA has some of the same weirdness that we experienced on Sakaar, like how time in Sakaar is doesn't really make sense. I mean, the prune sticks aren't too far from that. I pardon you from life stick. stick. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that too. Uh I think when I watched the first episode, I was like, that is very similar Mm -hmm. to the melt stick. (laughs) That's a horrible scene, scene, but I will laugh every time in my head that I think about Jeff Jeff Goldblum going, I give you a full, I grant you a full pardon (laughs) from life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the smell. (laughs) It's just funny how much stuff yeah. in, you know, especially with the music, but just things here and there I've noticed that really mirror things that happen in Ragnarok. Even later on in Rock's cart when Loki falls to the floor and there's a shot of him kind of diagonal towards the camera and he's got his arms kind of in a certain way. And it's when he says the line about, I would never treat me like this. But he's in this position on the floor that looks exactly like in the beginning of Ragnarok when Dr. Strange plops him out of the portal onto the floor and he says, I've been falling for 30 minutes. Uh-huh. But he's in that same, it's like the same exact shot. It is it's like crazy. I have a picture of them side by side. It's almost identical. Oh, yeah. Wow. And that feels intentional. So interesting. yeah, I just think that's really interesting. But the music was kind of my first cue into like just the kind of feels that they're trying to pull from us and maybe where the story's going and just a lot of parallels with Ragnarok. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you compare it to Ragnarok because while like if you listen to the music on its own, it doesn't sound like a Mark Mothersbaugh composition. It is definitely hitting a lot of the same emotional things that, that Ragnarok does. So, mm-hmm. And it, it does, a, much like Ragnarok, I, I think what I'm most impressed by with with Natalie Holt's uh, composition so far is the range of it. How you have like this theremin sci-fi driving TVA stuff. The, that music have... over the over the the shot of the city is just like yeah. absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it feels really old school sci-fi. Yes. And uh, Robbie, did you bring up Ralph McQuarrie like in a chat? somewhere yeah i did and i guess i didn't i feel like you guys did on the episode maybe maybe we did i don't know maybe i just brought it up as a response to the episode um the only ralph we've talked about here is the boner variety (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so a lot of that old sci-fi stuff is right in the the ralph mccrory school and i just spent so much time i i i used to study that sort of artwork and particularly the the ralph mccrory um artwork and for those of you who aren't familiar with Ralph McQuarrie, listeners, uh, he did a lot of the concept art uh, during the development of the Star Wars mm-hmm. movies. And the 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 Star Wars concept art on its own is, like, if Star Wars was never made, the concept art is still something I would want to own books of. Yeah, it's uh, great. It, it's just, just phenomenal work. And McQuarrie and McQuarrie's style, I think, were very much benchmarked for the TBA scenery and the music just just hit it perfectly um yeah i i it, it, the it's just scored so perfectly we've all talked about how great the the loki theme is as i was listening to the end of 
last week's podcast, I just found myself just immersed in that theme when I was just listening to it on my car stereo. Mm-hmm. And another spot, Angela brought up how, how the music. Your Sakar stereo. That's what I heard too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Angela was talking about how the music just cuts to your core at points. And one spot I think it really did that is it was a theme that was used in other ways. Is it the, the, was it just, is it, I don't know if it's the timekeeper theme or what the theme is, but it's a theme that's used in other ways, right at the shot of the hurricane, the first shot of the hurricane. And the way the music just swells and gets so aggressive in that moment is like genuinely chilling. It's, Mm -hmm. and -hmm. I'll get back to that, but. She, Natalie holds, I want to say a, something that's going to sound like a bummer, but it's really a longing. Um, when the TVA theme got to Spotify, um, I think it was earlier this week, I listened to it like 10 times in a row. And I was really sad. It was the only thing from this soundtrack, which will, you know, eventually have more. I wanted more than one song. So I just, I just went to Natalie Holt's Spotify and I found out she has only provided scores for three other things. She has provided scores for two BBC shows and one for another TV show that had Maggie Gyllenhaal in it. And they all are great. I've, I listened to the whole discography. All of her stuff is great. And I want her to compose more things. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think after this, she's going yes. to. Because so. so many people said in the first episode, wow, the music in the show is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She did arrangements for Paddington. Oh. But. Okay. Also, well, why she threw that eggs at Simon Cowell. So, you know, yes, there. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. And, okay, I could be wrong. It could just be that only she, Spotify only has licenses. She doesn't have for much on IMDb either. Okay. Yeah, I think she, she has more than three, but it's not much. Listen, if you're out there, Natalie Holt, you have a stand. You have a stand right here. <laughs> I have your stand. You have at least four. Yeah. <laughs> Many stands. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, let's not get too emotional here. Um, Loki, though, is getting reasonably emotional after finding out that, you know, he would have witnessed a total apocalypse of his home. And in that form that he's looking at, he has a surveillance stork of his own when he sees the phrase zero variance energy detected. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt just once to tell you another phrase that's on that form. Mm hmm. Revengers. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> the Revengers are mentioned on the form. I can see if I can find the picture. It, uh, it's oh, pretty totally much the only that. word you see. It's down at the very bottom of the screen, and you can't see the rest of the sentence, but you do see Revengers. I'm sad that I missed that. Well, we'll have to go back and look into that. Uh, to explain his theory to Mobius, in probably the most hilarious way possible, he overseasons <laughs> Mobius's salad. <laughs> With tons and tons of salt and pepper. Salt and pepper's here. Uh, and then washes away that seasoning with Pillboy's drink to explain his theory. <laughs> oh the theory God. is that they can do whatever they want. It won't violate the timeline because if they do it within the perimeter of a coming apocalypse, everything's going to be destroyed anyway, just like with a reset charge. So nobody would be able to detect it. Uh, and he proposes that the other Loki must be hiding somewhere in one of these apocalypses because they haven't been able to detect them. Trusting that Loki loves nothing more than to be right, 
which again, you know, you know, one thing about Loki, there it is. Mobius takes him to Pompeii just before the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Loki inflicts chaos, <laughs> mocks the Pompeians, warning them about the eruption, lets out all the goats, throws food at people, <laughs> and still fails to create a nexus event, proving his theory. Ah, uh, man. Now, I'm going to keep reading the notes. Never mind. Loki and Mobius sit and have a philosophical conversation as they think about the theory. Loki says that the idea of a whole time ruling civilization that creates its own employees is weird. Thank you. We agree. But Mobius says that's no weirder than a frost giant adopted by the god of the heavens to rule over the nine realms. He has Angela, a good point. <laughs> Angela, tell, talk about why this is weird, because we're all nodding. We all agree. Oh, I just, this scene really um, resonated with me because Loki says to him, you don't really believe in all this stuff, do you? Gesturing to, you know, the TVA, the timekeepers, all of it. Um, and Mobius says he doesn't get hung up on believe or not believe. He just accepts what is. And Loki, you know, kind of mocks him and says, okay, so you believe that these magic lizards, and Mobius is like, timekeepers. <laughs> created the TVA, created you. Um, and he makes fun of Mobius, you know, saying that, like, I thought you were intelligent, basically. Like, um, And Mobius kind of turns this around on Loki and is like, well, where did you come from? Who raised you? You know, and he says, you know, Laufey created me. Odin raised me, you know, and... Mobius turns it on him saying, like, doesn't that all sound ridiculous? You know, that these, you know, gods and this magical, mystical place, Asgard and, you know, all this stuff, it sounds ridiculous. And he says, if you think too hard about where any of us came from, it sounds kind of ridiculous. Existence is chaos. <laughs> Nothing makes any sense. So we try to make some sense of it. And then he goes on to say the TVA gives him his own glorious purpose. And the TVA is real because he believes it's real. Um, and I don't want to get too deep on this or, you know, I don't want, this doesn't have to launch into some, you know, huge <laughs> philosophical conversation <laughs> because we like wow, that. wow, is this a massive, massive topic I'm about to touch on here. But this conversation stuck with me because to me it was like all the things I've said and questioned about religion, specifically Christianity, because as a kid, I was raised in the Methodist church. And when you're a kid, you go to church because your parents tell you to go. And you, I'll be honest, like, I, I'm sure most kids are like this, but for me, like, I don't know that I actually believed any of it anything they were telling me as a kid, I just kind of went along with it because that's what you do. You go to Sunday school because you're told. You sing these songs because you're told. You make friends. You have fun. You eat snacks. You go to vacation Bible school in the summer. Um, you do crafts. Um, and to me, it was just, it was a fun place to be to see my friends and, you know, get involved in music. And, you know, it meant a lot to me for the, the music side of thing and things and my friends and everything. Um, but I don't know that I actually like believed any of it when I was a kid. And then we left the church when I was in middle school and kind of never went back. Um, 
And I've just struggled ever since then, you know, trying to decide what I believe and if I have faith that there is a God and, you know, do I buy into all of that? And, you know, can I allow myself to have faith in that way? And, you know, I don't want to make my husband uncomfortable, (laughs) but, you know, he's Catholic and we got married in the Catholic church. And, you know, so I was kind of privy to, I've been to a lot of Catholic services now. My own wedding was a Catholic service. Like, you know, I've seen that side of it. And he and I have had conversations where I've tried to pick his brain about like, you know, why, why do you believe this stuff? Like why not judging you just why, why do you believe in God? Like, how do you, and he doesn't really know how to answer that question. Like, he's kind of like, I just do like, it's sometimes it's just in you. You have this faith, you believe it because you believe it. Like there's not really a good, you know, you can't really put it on paper why you believe this thing. And I think it's because my brain is just too, there has to be like a logical reason behind every little thing. And, you know, I just feel like I can easily poke holes in, in things. And, and I, so that's what this, (laughs) to make a long story short, short, that's what this conversation between Loki and Mobius reminded me of where Loki's poking holes. Cause all of this just, even though he's literally sitting in it, the T he's surrounded by the TVA, but he's poking all these holes in it. Cause it's just ridiculous to him. And he just does not believe that there's these three magic beings controlling everything, you know? And, and that's, that's how I feel kind of <laughs> in regards to religion and, uh, and it's been a struggle of, you know, just trying to figure out what I believe and, and, and I still don't really know, uh, so, so it really went to a deep place there for me. <laughs> this shows this so shows touching you in the feels, yeah, in several I, ways. I can relate to almost everything you said just now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't talk about it much because, honestly, I'm so I, I think similar to you. I'm I'm so much in a, I don't know what I believe. I know what I was raised on, and I know how much I value tangible proof in my adult life. To where I feel like I'm almost in this middle ground where people on both sides, whatever I'm going to say is going to stress them out. And <laughs> so I just, I just keep it to myself for the most part. Um, and so I would like to tiptoe around that as well on this podcast, but <laughs> I, I, my experience is extremely similar to your own. And I only talk about it when we're talking about daredevil. So. <laughs> but it was really valuable then because <laughs> Catholicism is the main character of daredevil. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, <laughs> Like regardless of what we believe, it's it, it's interesting in the context of this show, like in this scene mm-hmm. specifically, because like both of them are kind of poking at each other, but in the universe that we have watched for you know thirteen years at this point, fourteen years, however long it's been, um, like we know that gods exist because we've seen them, mm-hmm. like we've we've seen them, and so when. Mobius is like poking back at Loki about it. You know, Loki calls him frost giants and and the nine realms and all that stuff. And oh, you mean space? Like, <laughs> oh, like he calls it whatever the I'm doing air quotes logical or or maybe the more proper term for that thing is. And Loki's 
doing the same thing back to him, you know, in this conversation. And it's just weird in their specific context, contents, ah, context. Why can't I speak? I'm hosting today. Um, That's it's just why. weird. <laughs> yeah, I guess. The host your trips, this, yep. the, <laughs> In this context, when like, you know, both of them are probably legitimate in their thinking in these universes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, because you look at the Marvel Universe and like every pantheon of gods exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to be really weird is when you get the Eternals who are supposed to be like the aliens that inspired the gods, but also those gods were also real anyway. <laughs> Which is why you have like Icarus and all these other names for the Eternals, but also, you know, the Greek gods are just real. But also, also, there is like another god that they kind of talk about above every all of them that's implied to be like capital G god. Mm-hmm. But then also you've got, you know, Daredevil going to Catholic Church still, even though he actually knows Thor. Uh, <laughs> I never thought about that. I never thought about that. <laughs> I that is called if, strong faith. <laughs> I wonder if this kind of like faith conversation in in this episode is kind of complementary to our thoughts that the TVA has like a wicked underlying purpose. Let me explain. I'm not saying religion is wicked. (laughs) What I'm saying is that in the wrong hands, religion, you know, it can be used negatively. And maybe there's some cultiness going on with some of these TVA members. Yeah. Um, It could be a theme that we explore. Mm-hmm. I I was thinking that too, how like, <laughs> I, I love that quote from Mobius about existence is chaos, nothing makes any sense, so we try to make sense of it. Like that, to me, in a nutshell, that is the explanation for why religion exists. You know, man trying to make sense of everything. I think religion was kind of born out of that. Um, and I admire how people's faith gives them purpose. Mobius says, you know, all of this, the TVA, like it gives me my own glorious purpose. Like, and that's true for so many people that the church gives them purpose. Um, it gives them direction on how to be a good human and and what to do, you know, how to treat people and, and what to do with their lives and stuff. And I think that's awesome. Like I, but there are people who also take it uh-huh. a step too far or, or they twist it to to hurt people and and um use it as a weapon you know so timekeepers said yeah. it has to be this way that's what the time it was written in the book of time yeah. right well and Florb. something you had already made me think earlier with something you said and just made me think of it again now is the thing i really really miss in kind of i guess my post-church life is that sense of belonging and that sense of purpose and that sense of yes. uh, shared experience with other people, the community, um, mm-hmm. that stuff I really, really miss that the, the um, fact-based analytical world doesn't seem to replace as well uh, in my nope. experience. So, <laughs> yes. Um, and, and I honestly miss that. Also, does does that mean the Zonai is the religion of the YouTuber because they're just trying to make sense of things? You know, if, if enough people believe in the Zonai. Uh, 
You know, this is sort of I a... followed up my sense my my sincere statement with nonsense. <laughs> That's what I usually do. So I, I totally get it. Um, while while we're on the sort of subject of religion and gods and mythology and and whatever, uh, I do think it's interesting. Look at the arc of the Asgardians in the MCU and how when Thor first came out, Thor was all like, you call it magic, we call it science. Uh, or, or, or we call it magic, you call it science. Or I come from it's the same thing. And how they were very much trying to do like the science fiction-y explanation of Asgard and everything. And as we've gone on, they've just gone more and more into his magic and their gods. It's, you know, like Ragnarok, he's like, I'm the god of thunder. And, you know, when he's talking about his magic... Yeah, he's talking about it in a little bit of scientific terms, but it's like he's talking about magic here because now we have wizards or sorcerers if they have if they don't have a hat. Um, and, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I know that it's partially just because they're like, all right, audiences are along for the ride now. We can just do magic and it's going to be fine. Um, but it's interesting watching the characters like Loki who have been there since the beginning of magic in the MCU. Uh, and by the beginning, I mean the beginning of in the movies, <laughs> you know, how it was introduced to us as viewers. In timeline and, order beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the cringe. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's more and more, you know, it's like they've called him the God of mischief so many times they're like really kind of drilling home that he is a god and not just in the way that he like lords it over people. I am a god, you dull creature. And it's just like, I'm the god of mischief and I have these magical powers because I'm a god. Um, and kind of exploring it from like the twin angles of him questioning the TVA and Mobius being like, yeah, but your dad's a giant. You were raised by Odin, the king of the gods. And it's all crazy. You know, it's, I know it's it's kind of expanding the way we understand how that works in the MCU, which I think is interesting. They don't feel like they need to couch it in science now. I know it was more of a thematic thing, but it feels like it it was probably easy for them to pivot into that sort of an explanation after Taika Waititi changed uh, like the feel of the Thor story side mm-hmm. of the story so much with Ragnarok. Um, combined with the fact that we now have a very powerful Doctor Strange who is definitely using magic and a very powerful Scarlet Witch who is mm-hmm. absolutely using magic. And, you know, we've got other characters like Agatha Harkness using definitely magic. Um, so it, it's almost like that you got to lean into that now because you're not going to have all these people casting spells and then Loki going, I will cast science at you. <laughs> uh all right let's get let's get uh back in time with this Uh, that was not my best joke i don't know some of the other stuff i said was probably worse okay so mobius says the line about life being chaos and loki replies by saying that that's boring of course loki does and then monologues about how there is no one that is purely good and there's nobody that is purely evil. And that triggers a, a memory in Mobius. So he finds the gum that was given to him by the boy found in the church in France from first episode and cross-referencing where that gum could be purchased 
during an apocalyptic event, the two of them have a race to figure out where the variant Loki might be hiding as far as apocalypses go. They pinpoint the likely time and place to a Roxxon Superstore that is being used as a hurricane shelter during a cataclysmic hurricane in Alabama 2050. Mobius gets approval from Renslayer to take Loki there to find the other Loki. Renslayer agrees, but says there's not much she can do to protect them if it doesn't work out. Sure, there isn't, Renslayer. (laughs) Mobius, Loki, B-15, and a group of agents get together. Uh, (laughs) I I like this part where they're like suiting up. And Mobius is so excited that he gets to go on the mission that he's like, you know what, Loki, take your daggers. You'll need these. And B-15, B-15 is like, um, no. <laughs> Snatches them away and hides them in her locker. I like that part. Uh, they arrive in 2050 as a massive hurricane is tearing down the store, destroying the town. Oh, bearing down the store. Bearing, tearing. That must be French. Inside the store, B-15 <laughs> insists that Loki stay with her rather than Mobius. While the other Loki watches from the security room, she's got some trust issues there. Uh, I think it's, you know, reasonable. Yeah. B-15 and Loki find an out-of-place civilian who really wants to do some hurricane shopping for Azaleas, (laughs) who grabs B-15 and passes on other Loki's enchantment, possessing B-15 and speaking through her as the other Loki. I need to go ahead and apologize ahead of time for how complicated and weird the notes are about to get for poor <laughs> It's okay. No, we're gonna we're gonna be okay. I'll be. I think I'll be okay. If not, uh, you know, I don't better. have this. I don't have anything snappy. The TVA Minutemen <laughs> express a callous attitude to the Doom civilians. I just they're so mean. Much to Mobius's disapproval. At least Mobius is like, dude, that's not cool. At least mm-hmm. there's one good good egg in there. He says the people are scared to a Minuteman who responds, they're about to die. They should be scared. Mobius insists, not of us. And Robbie, there is, uh, we've talked about how there's some, some obviously uh, some evil, possibly evil going on in the TVA, but also there's just some kind of depressing stuff that goes along with that. And you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, there's, there's a, I think intentionally so. They might not be thinking about what they're doing, but I think they are thinking about what they're doing. There is a, an undercurrent of depressing uh, storyline going on as this show, the, the, like like side stories, side notes to what is going on with the story, I'll say, that's really depressing. Um, those shots of the hurricane coming after the town, knowing what is going to happen be- you know, they, they have explained this is an apocalypse for these people here. This town is about to be wiped off the face of the earth. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know about um, Corpus Christi, Texas, which was a bustling, it, it, you know, it's a successful town now, but it was a, a, for its time, a bustling major town that was hit by a hurricane that no one knew was coming and just flattened the town and it ceased to exist until it was rebuilt and everyone died. Um, I pictured this as that sort of event. Uh, I think there was clearly supposed to be sort of an undercurrent of climate change and global events from climate change as they were discussing all the events that happened around this time. One, yeah, one like thing a four after year another. Period. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, and there's still, there's also something kind of, you know, disturbingly realistic of 
come and hide in the, you know, the giant super centers of shelter and we'll sell you azaleas and vacuum cleaners. Like the, the employees are still working. Like, mm-hmm. oh, are you looking for vacuums or were you looking for the, the um, hurricane shelter? Like, anyway, but just the mm-hmm. shots of the hurricane and the, like, that is some actual terrifying stuff coupled with the music we talked about. And then that's not even the point of what's going on. Like, that's just, that's just set in the scene. Mm-hmm. But I think they do it on purpose. They could very easily have just had some rain and you know there's a hurricane outside. I, I think it is purposeful what they're doing and putting you in these events. Loki's running around making fun of the people in Pompeii. They're all about to die. That's depressing. And I don't think the show is being flippant about it. I think the show is written in such a way that it's wanting its audience to make that connection to what is being treated as this, uh, this uh, slash, almost slasher film, uh, not quite slasher film, but you know, almost like a, like a lighthearted version of, of like a detective film has this undercurrent of, of real bad stuff because they're showing up to these scenes where you know that everyone's going to die. And that's not only is that not important to them, that's correct and good. They're not here to save these people. They're here to a make sure they still die and B wipe them out. If they don't, um, it's final destination. Yes. And Mobius is the only one that has any sympathy for these. Yes. Yes. Uh, and the show isn't in your face about it, but I do think it's purposeful. I do think they want these to be jarring moments. I do think it is being written. And maybe, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I don't, I don't think so. I think they're wanting it to be, hey, look at Loki laughing at the people in Pompeii. That's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Um, and, and I just think, I guess I think the show is too smart to be on accident. And I have one other reason that I think they're doing it on purpose. And that's that the reset charges are just apocalypses. That's exactly, they never say it specifically. They never make the actual, they don't, Loki doesn't say the words out loud. He's hiding in an apocalypse because it does the same thing your reset charges do. But that's what the reset charges are doing. They are an mm-hmm. apocalypse for that timeline. Um, they are wiping out everything within that perimeter so that the 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 variant the things the variant variation touches cease to exist. Um, and I guess I Well at the beginning but, when he's talking to Mobius about it as they're going to yes. the Ren Fair. Like he first he gives the textbook definition, right. then he follows it up with right. which sounds like just another way of saying destroys everyone within its radius. And or that's the however closest, he puts it. That's the closest to on the nose they get with it. And maybe they'll get more on the nose as the show goes on. Or mm. maybe this is all just an accident and they don't mean for me to be looking at it this way, but I absolutely am looking at the show this way. Uh no, and, I, and, yeah. Yeah, all I think this, they thought this, very hard about the show. All yeah. the, yes. All this anxiety and depression, like I got legitimately depressed for those people in the the rocks uh, the, the the rocks cart, and all they're not experiencing anything different than everyone who gets vaporized at the Ren Fair. Like that that woman who was just annoyed that some futuristic dorks showed up at her Ren Fair. That's you know some of us need this. That woman's about to get vaporized. We don't see it on screen, but mm-hmm. we know what we know what happens to her. That's no different than and and i know that this now is going to tie into other stuff we're talking about which is what the tva doing is i want to say arguably bad but maybe it's not even arguably bad maybe it is just actually bad to say these people don't get to live anymore because they're not part of the timeline that we decreed and 
this is what yeah. I almost this is what I almost said when we got to the Pompeii scene, and then I saw Pompeii in the notes, and I was like, "Al, shut up," because I I agree with everything that you just said. I I know they were supposed to be playing off. For the most part, they were supposed to be playing off Loki, like uh, messing around in Pompeii by letting the goats free and throwing food and nothing matters. You're all going to die. Like they were supposed to be playing that off as funny. And I chuckled a little, but it was one of those, like, I feel kind of bad about chuckling chuckles because it like I felt sort of uncomfortable knowing that all of those people were about to die and they're just there doing their thing. And I feel like we're going to see some more of that in this show. Um, and whether that's meant to hit us in this way, or it's meant to, sh- to showcase that the TVA just as a whole, they just don't necessarily value life or death because some cult leader timekeeper person decided that these are the way things have to be. So you can't put any, I, I imagine it's like you can't afford to put any emotion into what happens to all these people because you are traveling through all these different timelines. You don't know any of them. You'll never know any of them. They're going to live and die at some point. So don't get attached like, that's what I feel like all of their mindset is. And some of them just go way too far. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole thing about them just eliminating the branch, as far as they're concerned, I think they don't even think they're, killing a real person because this timeline's not supposed to exist and the regular the real one is still on the main timeline doing just fine so did we really kill someone no and i think they're looking at it really dispassionately and i think you know the the whole mobius being sympathetic to people is such a classic trope it i know we talked enough about the good place last week but is he not just ted danson you know, the demon who actually thinks that people are kind of interesting if you really get down to it. And that becomes his sort of undoing as a demon. Uh And, and then the other, uh, the other thing I was thinking of, um, I have lost. Yeah. The the obsession with the jet skis, while you think about that, the obsession with the jet skis struck me directly as this feels like something inspired by the good place. Like just, it, it reminds me of Ted Danson just getting, randomly fascinated by some people thing a chicken nugget vending machine yeah 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 i i I forgot the other thing i was gonna say about about it but but timekeepers bad tva bad yeah (laughs) that's kind of what it boils down to Uh, you'll remember when we're talking about something completely different yeah you know that's how it always it always works so Back to Rock's cart. The Minutemen and Mobius find C20 from the beginning of the episode. You know, you said it's going to get confusing because of the Lokis and the Lady Lokis and the variants and whatever. I think it's going to be confusing if they keep naming their agents after one letter and two numbers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully we don't meet too many more characters that are named letter dash two numbers. They find I just remembered what I was going to say, by the way. Boom. Oh, no. <laughs> She's bad at me now. <laughs> Going back to the Pompeii thing real quick, uh, I think the way I'm thinking about it now actually is I think they did play the Pompeii scene for laughs, but only so that when they got to the Roxcart apocalypse in 2050 Alabama, which feels a lot closer to home, to maybe make us rethink, well, why did you think it was funny to laugh at the stuff happening in Pompeii? Okay, so 
Because that if was 2,000 years ago. If you're right, so. they worked. If you're right, it worked. Because the first time I watched it, I, I didn't think it was hilarious. But I didn't think anything of it other than this is comedy. Then I watched, then I rewatched it thinking about the rocks uh, cart scene. And then it hit me like, wait, this is... okay. This is depressing. In that moment, like, we were the timekeepers because, like, oh, they're all they're all gonna die. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. That's fine. Yeah, that's a, funny. There's a commercial playing on TV. I think it's for Alexa, um, but there's a commercial playing on TV where this dude is trying to answer questions for his daughter's um, research assignment, and the commercial is set, and the dude is in Pompeii as mm-hmm. people are, you know, have volcanic rock falling on them, walking around asking questions about Pompeii, and that commercial is like, wait. This dude's just casually talking to people who are dying. Like, it, it's... Yeah. I knew Amazon was evil. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not... <laughs> no question. Well, what do you think Roxcart's based on, right? Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were based on Walmart. Oh, yeah, I guess a little I bit. I thought like about um, the corporation Let's... from uh, Wally. B&E. Mm, oh, yeah. by and large. Or by yeah. and large. B&E. Large, yes. That's breaking and entering, Peaches. What is wrong <laughs> with you? Okay. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> We're going to do a B&E on this script. In terror, C20 re- reveals that she told the variant how to find the timekeepers. Uh-oh. And also she keeps repeating before that it's real. What is she talking about? Who knows? I don't know. That's uh, Something's real. And how does Why she know where the timekeepers are? If no one's ever seen them, and it seems like Renslayer's the only one who's ever met them or... I kind of, them. I kind of saw that as like maybe they don't actually know where they are, but they have those devices to set up the doorways. Maybe she just like told her how to get a bunch of those devices or something. Maybe how to find the timekeepers, what meant how to bring them out of hiding. Yeah, um, by bombing the sacred timeline. But, but oh, I do think that she, that I do think that she might have also used words that implied location and not just. Yeah, because it seems like this version of Loki already had this plan to steal all these reset charges and kablooey the place. Yeah, (laughs) kablooey the place. That's good shit. Um, (laughs) So Loki and other Loki, first as B-15, then as Roxcar employee Randy, talk. Our Loki attempts to convince the other Loki, who insists on not being called Loki, to join him in overthrowing the TVA but Randy it rebuffs it. After T.H. Loki, Thomas Hiddleston Loki. There it is. Okay. <laughs> I was going to make a joke, and I, for some reason, went to Thomas, and I was like, no, it probably is Thomas. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Notices a series of reset charges wired across the store. Villain Loki possesses a burly truck driver, and the two Lokis fight using a variety of vacuum cleaners. Did they just use that guy to remind you that we're in Alabama? I don't... Listen. Old dad. I've been to a lot of loves. I've been to a lot of loves and flying jays in that part of the country, and that's accurate. Okay, fair enough. B-15 finds Mobius, and another Minuteman proclaims Mobius's quote-unquote favorite Loki must have betrayed them. Our Loki asks the other Loki, what do you want from me? Before the hooded variant appears. She removes her hood, revealing herself as the much-rumored Lady Loki, telling traditional Loki, this isn't about you. Okay. 
I've said Loki a lot. If you drink every time I've said Loki in the last three minutes, you are gone. And I am so sorry Roll that credits. you won't remember the rest of this podcast. But <laughs> I'm going to put another surveillance stork out there. I want to put another one out there. Is this Lady Loki? Because we would feed into the idea that this is Lady Loki real easily because we talked about this on our episode one podcast how they revealed like right before they well not revealed but they reminded right before this show debuted that loki was gender fluid and then there was this mysterious actress from imdb and we didn't know what part she was gonna play and now here she is taking her hood off as quote unquote lady loki isn't that really convenient wouldn't that be such a nice setup to fool us later i don't I don't know if I am confident enough to say it is not Lady Loki, but I think it might be a different villain. I think it might be the Enchantress. And this is why. In the scene that I I spoke of earlier, when our Loki calls, and from now on I'm going to call her the Variant. So when Loki calls the Variant Loki, the Variant says, don't call me that. And that's really the only time that she even responds to anything regarding the name Loki. Just asking Loki not to call her that. So, okay, she doesn't want to be called Loki. It's kind of weird. If she is Loki, why wouldn't she want to be called Loki? We know that Loki traditionally is a narcissist. So Mm -hmm. why wouldn't Loki want to be called Loki? Seems odd to me. Loki mentions that she's using enchantment when she when when Loki realizes that all the different people are are possessed, he realizes that's enchantment. And yeah, that's the obvious easy point, but that's why she's called enchantress. She's called enchantress <laughs> because she uses enchantment. So that's don't come at me for that because that's totally fair even though it's easy. Another thing that I think is kind of lame and we've had this in the past where something that's like not really part of the story we end up realizing it and it might be used to like debunk a theory or whatever if you watch this with closed captioning on there is never a single point in the closed captioning where the variant is talking and her name in the caption switches to lady loki it always continues to say the variant um and as we know according to the tva anyone who is not in their proper place and time is called a variant. So it's weird that, you know, her name would be announced by our Loki and then it doesn't change in the subtitles. Um, I, I just think all of that is enough, right? The Enchantress is a, is a pretty popular Thor villain. Like if you think of Thor villains, she's probably in the top five, at least mm-hmm. maybe higher than five. And we know that so far in this version of, of a Marvel universe and the MCU, she just hasn't appeared yet. So what better place for her to show up than in a show that is centered around a Thor and Loki story, right? I don't know. Is, am I, am I two for two? Am I one for two? I don't, I, I agree with you. Well, I think it could be both because I think the MCU has a long history of kind of smushing characters together into one you know Mm -hmm. taking elements from one character in the comics and then elements Uh from another character um i'd like to credit there's um a marvel content theorist 
on TikTok that I follow called, called Theories by T. And he, he brings up a lot of really cool theories. He does not definitively say like, this is what it is. Like he's not obnoxious like that. He's just, he just puts it out there in the world. Like this is what it could be. And he's very well versed on the comics as well. So he has like, you know, stuff to back himself up. And he made a video um, talking about how it could be both. It could be Lady Loki and Enchantress for lots of reasons. Um, so like in terms of her being Lady Loki, she stalls for time at the end. Like that's what Loki does. She's got those horns that she's wearing with like one side is kind of broken and that's from the comics. Um, the TVA refers to her as Loki. So I feel like there's some something with her, something that identifies her as a Loki like, why would they call her that if she right. weren't a form of Loki's? Um, but the TVA would know her background. Yeah, they, they would, would know. And he, I, this blew my mind. I saw this in his video. Like, I watched it right before we recorded. And I'm sad we missed it because um, Chris was, like, trying to pause and freeze, like, look at the the documents that they have that they show, like, in the credits and stuff apparently on one of those documents i don't know where it was in the credits or where this screenshot was they call her sylvie laufey daughter like like i saw that name somewhere and i wasn't sure where that came from okay um and enchantress's name is sylvie lushton so and they they cast a young girl also for this show we haven't seen her yet but she was cast as young sylvie and she's this little blonde girl. So, you know, I think this is Sylvie Lushton. And I think it could definitely be Enchantress. But I also think she might also kind of be like, I don't know how. But again, the way the MCU likes to kind of. I want to agree together. with you. And, but I want to add some things, too, because y'all were unanimous, unanimously nodding your head about like the TVA would know if it's a Loki, right? Would they? They didn't realize that they had holes in their security with the apocalyptic events having no temp tempora energy. I'm going to just call it tempora <laughs> energy because I think it's funny. And they haven't been able to catch this, this Loki. I'm doing air quotes. They can't catch the Loki because maybe it's not Loki. Maybe they have, they think they need a Loki expert which is why they've kept Tom Hiddleston around, but they've been able to prune a ton in the past and they can't catch this one because maybe they're trying to hunt someone that isn't Loki. I definitely I just, lean more towards Enchantress, like just yeah. because of everything you just said and, and you know, her being Sylvie and Loki saying, like, like I said, when he fell on the floor at that one point, he says, I would never treat myself like this, you know? And like, yeah. she doesn't, the way she talks too, it just doesn't sound like him. So now- what if it's Enchantress from a time when Loki played a role in her life somehow and she decided I'm going to go through with whatever scheme she's going through and I'm going to pose as Loki because everyone will blame Loki for everything. It would be an easy thing to do to dress up mm -hmm. like Loki and pretend to be him because everyone always thinks Loki's up to something. <laughs> like that could be a way they, they mash them up, right? Is yeah. she's yeah. Enchantress, but she's fronting as loki yeah another thought that i just had is i talked about last week kid loki how loki was reborn like as a person mm -hmm. with the spirit of loki in him but then also the spirit of loki still exists 
existed outside as a raven and managed to steal Kid Loki's body. Who Kid Loki was trying to reform and be good Loki, and then the bad Loki ended up taking his place and no one realized it. It could be that Sylvie was a kid Loki and some other version of Loki managed to get Sylvie's body and become Enchantress slash Loki. Sylvie's choice. You know, Uh, you just said the spirit (laughs) of, and that's all it took to remind me of Maelstrom. The spirit of Loki has always been big. Big. Rip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not going as far as saying, well, that's wrong. That's crazy. I definitely don't think anything you said is crazy. I, I lean towards, I think Angela's smushed up uh, thought is what I lean towards. I think I lean more, more Loki than Enchantress, but I think the, let's take the, this character and just kind of combine it with this character because it fits in this story. If I had to guess one thing, saying that I basically don't know, if I had to guess one thing, I would guess that's where they're going. If I had to die on one of the storks, I would die on my first stork. So, (laughs) I mean, this wouldn't even be the first time they've done that with a Thor villain, because Hela was basically a mashup of Hela and Angela. The angel, not not you. You just say she's not an angel? Oh, I mean, the... How dare you? (laughs) I mean, technically, she wasn't an angel. She was an Asgardian who was raised by angels after the Tenth Realm was uh, cut <laughs> off from the other nine realms. Hey, keep digging, Chris. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll get you out of this one, buddy. As she... <laughs> uh, what happens here? What happened? What was happening? Uh, oh. She tells Loki, this isn't about you. And as she does that, the reset charges activate and then fall through a series of small time doors... At the TVA, branches appear all over the sacred timeline with an analyst reporting the timeline itself has been bombed. Would you like to hear where the bombs went? How do you... I have a list. How do you know? Oh, on the screen, it tells you the the time and place. I saw one and said, did that say? And it did. So now I will read you. March 31st, 1492, Lisbon, Portugal. Hold on. April 20... Okay. Uh, What year? 1942? 1492. 1492. When Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Got it. Okay. So that's probably what happened there. Yep, keep going. Uh, April 23rd, 2301. Vormir. You can't look that one up, Robbie. That one won't be helpful. (laughs) October 25, 1551. Thornton, USA. Okay. November 22, 1999. Cookville, USA. February 16, 2004, Asgard. Okay. October 3, 1390, Rome. Uh, August 13, 1984, Sakar, Teo. Uh, February 2, 1808, Barichara, Colombia. July 14, 1708, Porvu, Finland. This 1708, one my... Finland? Yes. I think this one might be my favorite. December 22, 1382. Ego. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know pretty... what, I want to see the bombs go off. <laughs> That's pretty funny. October 13, 1982. Titan. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh no. Is that everything? Uh September Do you... tr- <laughs> 
Peaches, what are you going to say? I've got a few Thanos, more. Thanos. I mean, now I'm wondering how long Titan's been a ruined planet, though, because I just yeah. in my brain I pictured Thanos is ancient and that planet's been destroyed for way longer, and we're yeah, now maybe reading too much. Could into have been in his forties, yeah. you know. Um, uh, December 21, 1947, New York. March 1, 1984, Tokyo. That's the one I saw. Okay, so say it again for me. March, March? 1st, 1984. Got it. Tokyo. Uh, January 3rd, 51. Hala. The uh, home planet of the Kree. For, yes. Um, September 24, 1001. Xandar. November 23, 2065, Beijing. And July 18, 1903, Madrid. All right, let's see if any of these... Yeah, I want you to know if important. any of those... Uh, we got okay. to report in like the next episode or something if no, any of well, those... I've already, I've already got some stuff. Um, okay. I feel see. like the 1492 in Portugal has to be something to do with Columbus. Uh, Isabella I, Castile, and Ferdinand II... Uh, in Spain or in Portugal, issued the Alhambra degree, decree forcing Jews living in those kingdoms to convert to Christianity or flee the country within four months. Um, I mean, if they stopped that, then good job, Lady Loki. And I'm seeing a bunch. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna slow this down, but it's compare. Like, I'm seeing Columbus in a lot of the links going with that date in those news. So I guess somehow there's a connection. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, October 25th, 1551. Thornton. Um, I don't have anything. City of Thornton. Uh, nothing. Okay. Look up the Ego one. <laughs> That's what I should yeah. do. What happened at Ego in 1382? <laughs> um, November? All right. I'm going to keep going with the notes. Keep going. Chime in with, keep chime going. In with I'll see if anything in I'm just going to throw out, why does yeah. the TVA use Earth times? Yeah, why aren't they using blarbs and flurks and... Uh-huh. Whatever and, and, and specifically not not just Earth time the the Gregorian calendar. Yeah, that is kind of weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, it it's got to be for the audience, right? Probably. Um, so alarms are blaring as Minuteman and a geared up Renslayer she grabs a prune stick start rushing through time doors. At the rocks cart, the variant disappears through a time door, leaving it open behind her. And Mobius and a couple of his goons <laughs> catch up telling Loki to stop. Loki pauses for just a moment and then disappears through the time door as it closes. The last thing we hear in this episode is Mobius yelling, damn it. And then we get credits. So uh, that's it. We wrapped it up. Man, I keep thinking about what you said earlier, Chris, and how like we just don't know what this Loki is up to. And that's like the perfect way to end this episode is why is he doing that? Mm-hmm. So knowing everything we just saw, where, where, where do we think the show is, is going next? Robbie, why don't you take it away? I'm going to interrupt your research time. That's fine. I'm not finding anything interesting and I'm tremendously disappointed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, so I'll start with um, one of the reasons I organized this for me to go first is because I looked at the rest of y'all and I see that all of you are going to talk about the Lokis. And I guess that makes sense because that's uh, the name of the show. And I, I just, what's really interesting to me what? is that we came away, 
It's not that I'm disinterested in what we're going to find out about Loki. It's just that's not where my brain was at the end of this episode because there's so much to think about in these episodes that I just had different takeaways that I'm thinking about. Um, so I don't think this is a super hot take, but I think we're going to see the curtain pulled back. Um, and I think that not all good line Loki has is going to be directly applicable to the TVA. Um, I think Mobius is going to be our... I realized I was wrong all along. Not necessarily was wrong, but that, that what he, his belief system gets challenged. Um, I think Mobius is not go, I think he's going to recognize that there's some questionable motives uh, in the TVA and, and maybe a misuse of authority. Um, and obviously what all y'all are going to say, but uh, Angela, where do you think we're going? Uh, I mean, I agree with you that we're going to find out more about the TVA and what their motives are. And um, I mean, Granted, next episode, I don't know how much of that we're going to find out. That might be saved for near the end. Um, I think we're going to see Loki and Lady Loki or Enchantress, whichever she might be, um, actually have a real conversation. (laughs) Um, I have a hunch that whatever her motives are, against the TVA, if that is her motive. I mean, that's what it seems like is that she wants to bring them down and, you know, kind of turn the timeline into a multiverse of madness. I think he's probably going to be all for that because, you know, if there isn't chaos, it's just boring. Um, You know, I think he likes and respects Mobius, but I think that's not enough for him to... That's why probably why he kind of paused before running through the door, because I think they really were starting to create a bond with each other, but it wasn't enough. You know, I think his curiosity about her and, you know, his distrust of the TVA overall was enough to push him through that door. So... um, and I just want to know more about Ravona Renslayer, you know, and what her deal is. I, I thought that was interesting when Mobius mentioned the analyst on the side. Like, that was definitely kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge situation. And then he, like, looked at the pen she gave him, and it said Franklin D. Roosevelt High School. And no idea what that means. And clearly people who have read the comics don't know what it means because I've not heard any theories about it. So I just want to know what the significance of that was. Um, so yeah. I uh, I heard one theory about the, uh, the pen and it was taking several logical leaps to get to where it was going. Um, like 15 leaps? Yeah, at least... Like- like pen 15 leaps uh, anyway they their conclusion was that it meant something about molecule man uh which would be a big deal but it's a hell of a conclusion to get from a pen that doesn't have anything to do with molecule man um and we're back to the zone eye yes yeah exactly uh so i what i the two things that I'm thinking of, I guess, really, really comes down to one thing, and it's still the multiverse. I've had so many long, protracted arguments about the multiverse over the past week and a half now, because people are saying, "Oh, so this means there was no multiverse, and or there is no multiverse, and there will be after this show." And I don't necessarily think that still. 
Uh, and part of it is because I just can't let go of the fact that there is already a Marvel multiverse. So why wouldn't this already be part of it? So I think what I've come down to, my conclusion that makes everything work together so I can get my no prize, is that there is, and there always has been, a capital M multiverse made up of parallel universes. So you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe here. You've got the 616 universe here. You have the Ultimate Universe here. You have the Sam Raimi movies here. You have the Andrew Garfield movies here, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those are parallel universes that the timekeepers don't care about because they're all technically on different timelines. And the multiverse that the timekeepers, if indeed they exist, are worried about is the kind that the variant has just created where one universe with its own timeline splits into a bunch of other universes that didn't exist before. Alternately, this is what's going to create the multiverse, but because of the nature of time travel, it also means that the multiverse has already always existed. So, that can... Loophole, baby! Exactly. Uh, But also, I think, uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, What if all these branches that we're seeing, that's what we're going to be exploring on the show, What If? I was going to make the joke, and then you really said the thing. I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because the What If show is going to be looking specifically at pretty much alternate versions of the MCU. So one way that could happen is all these branches now appearing. You know, if something changed Ego's life somewhere in the past, maybe Star-Lord isn't his son, maybe somebody else's. Um you know, maybe something happening on Xandar here has a ripple effect, or changing something on Titan might give us some alternate version of Thanos. Uh, you know, so so maybe that's why What If is the next show, because it's following up on. It, it's going to be the Watcher. I mean, maybe maybe Watcher the Watcher is one of the Timekeepers. Uh, uh, maybe there are no Timekeepers, and there are Watchers, and the Watchers are like. Well, this is going to happen. Uh, let me tell you some of these stories now. So, so I just think that might be a a way. Since, what if with it being an animated show set in alternate universes, it doesn't quite feel like part of the MCU. But if it happens as a result of what happened to Loki, I mean that that could be an interesting thing with some ramifications down the road. Peaches, what uh, what are you looking at? Yeah, that's a good, I, I I, didn't think that, and obviously that was just a theory that you had, but I didn't think that What If would have any like actual ties to the stuff that happened in the rest of the MCU. So it'd be kind of cool if they were able to tie it in like that. I, I think I would like to have, even if it's literally just for flavor text at the beginning mm-hmm. and say like, hey, remember all that multiverse stuff that happened? Here's what, how that could have transpired. And then no more. Like, okay, that'd be cool. Um, what I have written down here is just basically everything you said earlier, Chris, about us not really being that aware of which Loki we're dealing with at the, at the moment. So what I'm most interested in seeing going forward is just, you know, cause we have that Loki that's somewhere in between just lost the battle of New York and died at the end of, or at the beginning of, um, infinity war. Right. So like he's somewhere in between those two personas and i'm curious to see where he goes um you know he told the variant that 
he was conning the TVA and the whole time he was trying to help her. I don't believe him. I also don't not believe him because he's Loki. You know, we whatever he's scheming, it's really hard to put a pin in. So I'm just mostly curious how his allegiances are going to fall. And then my second thing that I didn't write down because I didn't know it was an, a thing at all, I kind of want... <laughs> Like if the TVA does turn out to be evil, but Owen Wilson's character is not, I really just want him to clone himself a bunch of times and then the whole TVA to just be Owen Wilson. <laughs> like, yeah. That'd be a fun comics nod and you know we would like everybody at the TVA. So episode wow. rating, Chris, what are you going to rate episode two, the variant of Loki? I gave this episode 8.5 holographic clock pop quizzes out of 10. Angela, how about you? I feel like my initial ranking was just a smidge too low looking at all of yours. I mean, not that mine has to match yours because there have been other episodes where I've very much not matched y'all's ratings. But the more we've talked about this episode, the more I think it's earned at least half a brownie point. So 8.5 out of 10 Randys. How do you get half a Randy? Ran. <laughs> Robbie, you're muted. We're like in a Zoom call now. <laughs> <laughs> um, while Robbie's figuring out his mute, I will tell you that I gave this episode 42 and a half backstabs out of 50. Uh, if that's too boring for you, if that's too boring of a form of betrayal, that's eight and a half out of 10. Robbie, are you, are you unmuted? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, didn't realize we were all going to give this the same rating. We don't do that very often. Uh, I gave it 8.5 ruined salads out of 10. It's not a 42 and a half. What are you talking about? I guess we all liked it. I guess we did. And uh, that'll do it for our wrap up of episode two of Loki. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed our, our spattering of opinions and, and storks and, all the, all the different thoughts we had. If you'd like to support us further, just a, another quick shout out, patreon.com slash assembly required is where you can find us connected to discord. Talk to us all the time. Huge shout out to our Avengers level patrons, Brian and Riley. If you want to email the show, I'm going to get this right this time. Mofos. You can email us at assembly required cast at gmail.com. You should email us, especially because, I'm only hosting because our dear Eduardo is out celebrating being 29 for infinity. So email the show, tell us your thoughts, tell Eduardo happy birthday. Uh, if you want to talk to any of us specifically out on Twitter, you can find us at the lady sound, Phil kid three Gator Sacks 2010 ABC Eduardo one for Eduardo. And I'm there as D underscore peaches and assembly cast and assembly cast. You know, you can find us there. You can tweet at us. You can find us on Facebook as well. We're everywhere. We're everywhere, but that's going to do it for us here at assembly required. Um, See you in the next episode. And we love you. 3000. Bye everyone. Excelsior. Bubbly, bubbly. Conunder.
Hi, can you tell me what you're wearing? Remote? Yeah. Uh, because, because. That's because, 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 um, I'm wearing Oshkosh Pagosh ones. Oshkosh Pagosh, kids' clothes as tough as our name.